Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited because God has really placed a significant word on my heart. I believe it's a word where people are at all over the world. It's a word that will bring encouragement, understanding, hope, direction. But to preface this word, I want to share a little story with you. I remember as a boy growing up going to the Baltimore County, Maryland Fair. It was held out in Towson, Maryland, Timonium Fairgrounds, and I would go every year when I was younger just to enjoy all of the rides, the games, the music, seeing the farm animals. That was all part of the experience. But I would never leave the fair until I finally had an opportunity to go to the grab bag booth. I love those mystery bags. You never knew what you were going to find inside. Could be money, sometimes a dollar bill, and the ultimate prize, a five dollar bill, or it may have been candy, a toy, or a gag prize. Sort of like Charlie Brown when he went trick-or-treating, I got a rock. You never knew if you'd get something significant or not necessarily a rock, but something of non-significance. So all of that was exciting because of what? The mystery, the unknown. And you know, life can be like that, don't you think? Life is unknown. We don't know what the future holds for us, but we know God is in the future. Amen? Amen. I have found your greatest blessing or most challenging moment in life can be found in the grab bag of life. Life is like a grab bag. Just take, reach in, and thank God what He brings into our care. You know, you can't stop the future from unfolding, but you can embrace it with faith and confidence, knowing God is going to see me to the finish line. Amen. Look at the person next to you and say, God's going to see you to the finish line. Tell them right now. And we pray that finish line is a lot farther away rather than sooner. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's turn in our Bibles. Don't come to church without your Bible. Become used to it. Use your phones if that's more apropos. You have the device, the Bible app. Look at Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. David is writing here, and he says these words. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from, I like this, strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Just like that grab bag, the future is a mystery. And that's why all of us, humanity, people, we need someone to guide us through life. We do. A guide is someone who's already been there and done that. So what better person to lead than someone who's already completed and faced and walked what we're about to walk? Think about it. Even on a hunting trip or an African safari or a bicycling adventure, people use a guide. 
If you do a walking tour, you visit a city or you go to Europe and, and you want to look at all of the wonderful places, you hire a tour guide. Someone that knows all about it can take you to where you need to go to get the maximum enjoyment and wisdom and knowledge from where you're at. And think about this also. You want someone who begins, continues, and finishes with you as well. We don't want a guide that partway through, all of a sudden, where are they? And you're, you're a miss, and, 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 and you're asking yourself, yeah, how do I get out of here? We want someone that's going to be with us and see us to the end. And the same is true of living life. We need someone who will guide us through, the title of my message, the Valley of Baca. Now let me give you a little history about Baca. Baca, the Valley of Baca, was this large gulf, this large valley, open range, that people would pass through when they were headed to Jerusalem for worship. Whether the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, people would come of Jewish faith from all over to make this journey to go from wherever they were to where the house of God, the worship, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God abode. And so in the process of this journey, it was very arduous. It was difficult. It was a lack of rain. It was barren. It was a wilderness. The heat was intense. And it wasn't like just a simple day trip. It would take many days in order to reach the destination of Jerusalem. Some people in the midst of making that journey, they would run out of food. They would run out of water. And because of the strain of, of, of this venture, they would become very discouraged. Some would even give up. The weeping would incur, and, and, and people would, would just take and, and just, instead of continuing the journey forward to the destination, they would just stop and make their living, their life, right there. This is as far as I can go. I can't make it to Jerusalem. I can't make it back. I am just going to die here. Complete despair, discouragement hopelessness. So when David is writing this psalm, he obviously had this in mind or he would not have referenced the Valley of Baca. So prior to becoming king, David had walked a very, very difficult road. A road, a valley, a wilderness that involved weeping. You see, he knew the joy of success. He knew the joy of victory. And he even knew prosperity. And like all of us, he had prayed and wished those seasons would last forever. But that's not the case. That's just not life. There's a time to sow, a time to reap. Amen? A, a, a time to weep, a time to rejoice. Seasons come and go. They don't last forever. But the important thing to understand, and David, David knew this, is between every mountain there's what? A valley that must be passed through. So when we're on a mountaintop, we come to a great victory, a, a, a wonderful spiritual season in our lives. God doesn't want us to remain on the mountain. He wants us to make the journey to the next mountain. But in order to go to that next destination, that next mountaintop, 
You have to go down, cross through, and then climb back up. And David calls this valley the pilgrimage. We're all on a pilgrimage spiritually. We are. We're not just here to exist. We're not here to be entertained. We're not here to have the good old life. God wants to bless us. He wants us to be happy in life. In fact, that's why Jesus preached the Beatitudes. When he used that word blessed, that word blessed in the Greek actually means happy. The be happy attitudes. But there is a pilgrimage that involves not only times of joy and rejoicing and and great victory and and everything just couldn't be better. But there are also times when there are challenges. And in this, we have to understand that every pilgrimage that each of us make individually is about our God-given destiny. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for those of you who are watching online. Satan's number one objective is to bring to a halt that purpose. He wants to roadblock you from God. He wants to roadblock you from reaching that place, that Jerusalem, that house, that temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, that place of worship. He wants to keep you from the presence of God. But when God's for us, somebody say, who can be against us? Jeremiah 29, 11 reads, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Do you know, Willie Nelson wasn't the first to say it. God said it first. You're always on his mind. Do you hear me? You're always on his mind. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Says the Lord, thoughts of peace. God wants you to encounter his peace. The Greek word peace is arene. It means freedom from war and conflict. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future. How many times have you felt like this is it? It's over. This must be the end of my my journey. How do you know? God knows. We don't. We continue and we fight the good fight of faith. We continue to give our faith away. We continue to be faithful before the Lord with everything he's entrusted into our care until we step into his presence. But the Bible says, not us, not you, not me. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. That means When we fulfill and finalize our purpose, then absent from the body for the believer, present with the Lord. But only God knows when our purpose is complete. That's why I always do tell people, be diligent, be useful in the hands of God. Always find something to do for His glory. Then you've stepped in to another purpose. Life is about purpose. And God has predestined a future and a hope for you all centered around purpose. So let me ask the question. What purpose right now, not what you're hoping to do in the future, but for the Lord, for His kingdom, what ministry, what purpose are you fulfilling right now? You see, whether we fulfill our destiny, whether we step into it, whether we become useful in the hands of God, and we make ourselves readily available, is up to us. We choose to obey and to serve or not to serve. That's why David says in Psalms 84, verse 5, our text, he says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on what? Pilgrimage. 
Now, the word blessed in the Hebrew, again, just like the Greek, is defined as happy. Or good things happen to the man or woman whose strength is in you and whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So how many of you, those of you also watching online, how many of you want to have good things happen in your life? Then you need to check your vision. What are you focused on? Are you self-absorbed? Or are you God-absorbed? Are you purpose-absorbed? Are you focused on, Lord, what is it you have for me this day? Yes, I know I have responsibilities. I have a job. I have family. I have obligations. But Lord, ultimately, bigger and beyond that, my purpose is utmost and foremost. What do you have for me right now, this day? There are divine appointments that are waiting for people, those that profess and love Jesus, divine appointments that are waiting for us. But whether we tap into them is whether we are focused or not. And that's why David says, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Our lives are about fulfilling and blessing God. Our lives are about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What were we fashioned and made from? Look at Adam and Eve. The dust, the dirt of the earth. So we are actually earthen vessels. Isn't that what the Bible says? And so when the will of God is fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven, that doesn't mean looking at a rock and say, worship God right now, rock. It means that which we were fashioned from, earthen vessels designed to, you know, contain the presence of the Holy Spirit. God has a plan and a purpose, and we need to focus on, Lord, what do you have for me this day? I'll be diligent, faithful with all that you've entrusted into my care, but Lord, I know my life is bigger than that. It's bigger than paying the bills. It's bigger than planning the next vacation. It's bigger than that next house or whatever it might be. Lord God, beyond all of my given responsibilities, what is my purpose? And that's what we focus on. That's our pilgrimage. That's our journey. That's our purpose in life. People who have no purpose, they flounder. It's astounding. You look at the world and some of these people. I remember growing up as a boy, when someone was a millionaire, that was a big deal. Now, our common day, a billionaire is what a millionaire once was when I was growing up. And every time I look at the paper or, or I might be watching something on the news or an internet caption, they'll, they'll say something about a new billionaire, someone who's crossed that line, a celebrity. And, and, and obviously my life and our lives should not be about that, amen? But when you take notice of it, these people with great wealth, great affluence, but yet after they buy everything the world can provide, they're still unhappy. They go from relationship to relationship. You see someone is, is in a clinic for an addiction, and I'm not downing people. That's why Jesus came. But what I am saying, Jesus is the answer for deliverance from whatever it is that may hold us in a vice grip. Not things, not money, not prosperity. Prosperity is a wonderful thing to enjoy. I don't believe God wants us to suffer and to have to grapple, you know, for, our, you know, our, our, our next meal. God wants to be our provision. That's why one of his names is Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. He wants to provide. But yet the provision is not the answer. The provider is the answer. Does that make sense to anyone? But if we're not focused on our pilgrimage, 
our purpose, the journey that God has called us to fulfill. And I do believe there are certain things that God wants us to achieve for His glory during our lifetime. Personal achievements, as well as those that may be visible to others. I believe the greatest victories come in private in our own hearts. I do with all, all of my being, I believe that. But there are other times when God will do something in you so He can do something through you, impacting the lives around you. It's all about, all about giving away what He's given us. But if we're not focused on our purpose, on the journey, the pilgrimage, then all is lost. And then we become no different as Christians. From the world, we're chasing things rather than chasing after God. So when you look at this word pilgrimage, it's defined as a sacred journey. That means we all have a sacred journey. A sacred journey reflecting one's religious and spiritual devotion. Look at the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22, 37 through 39. The rich young ruler was standing before the Lord. He said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus shared everything. And he says, I've done all of that even from my youth. And then Jesus said to him, sell all you have and give it to the poor. The rich young ruler at that moment was grieved. He became sad because he had a lot of worldly possession. He, he didn't want to give it up. You see, surrender isn't about losing. Surrender is about gaining when it comes to spiritual things. And when we surrender everything God has entrusted to us, because bottom line is he gives it to us. Everything we possess in a positive way is a gift from the Lord. And so it's His to use as He deems, and we just say, it's yours, Lord, whatever you require. But the rich young ruler wasn't at that point yet, and it says he walked away sad. But one of the things that Jesus challenged him with was this. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, pilgrimage is about lifestyle and devotion. Loving the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Some translations also add and strength. And then loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Loving the Lord with our entire being. That means we're sold out. But that also spills over into our neighbors' households, into their lives, loving them with the same kind of passion. And this is what enables people to make it through while they're on the pilgrimage, to make it through the valley. When we focus on anything else, we'll run out of steam. It's a fact. We will not finish what we started out to complete. David was going through a very difficult time. He was literally brokenhearted. He was weeping. His son Absalom desired to be king. So what he did then, because there was disarray in the life of David, there was disarray in the house of Israel, he devised a plan to overthrow and even kill 
his own father. Can you imagine that? You know, the, the jealousy and, and the ambition and the covetousness. Even take the life of your own father. He had lost respect for his father because of how he ruled the father, David, ruled his own household. He didn't get, agree with some of the decisions that were made, especially when David's daughter, the, the sister of Absalom, had been raped and, and, and misused. He, he felt like his father just, just brushed it over and let it go and didn't deal with things. So Absalom had lost all respect for his father as a leader, which also positioned him for this awful, awful sin of treason and murder. And that's why David then, if you go back and read through that portion of Scripture, he flees Jerusalem in fear for his life, heartbroken by the betrayal and abandonment from the son he loved. David knew what it was to miss the mark. He knew what it was to be discouraged. He knew what it was to be in the wilderness. He knew what it was to desire the presence of God, and yet seems as if God's presence was far from him. David understood the valley of Baca. And he describes this sorrow in Psalm 84, verse 6, when he actually references the journey that many Jews would make for a Mecca, a worship, an encounter with God in Jerusalem. He calls it the valley of Baca. The word Baca in the Hebrew means weeping. A valley filled with tears. And for David, this sorrow, these tears, this weeping was brought on by his own son. Those of you who are parents, you know the great joy or the extreme sorrow your children can bring into your lives, into your homes. Their successes and breakthroughs become ours. As a parent, we rejoice. But when we see a struggling son or daughter, when we see them moving in a direction that we know is destructive, that's going to break their hearts and break the heart of Almighty God, we become desperate. And then after we've shared all we know to share, the most important thing, the most powerful thing we can do is we pray. We storm into the presence of God, fall on our face, and we cry out, hallelujah. David was heartbroken. But then he speaks about hope. Psalm 84, verse 6, he says, as they pass through. Those four words are hope. Because those four words suggest, those four words tell us that the valley we're in, we don't have to stay there. How many of you are in a valley this morning? How many of you are in a place of brokenness? How many of you feel like I just can't continue any longer? in this auditorium, watching online. I'm here to tell you God has a purpose and the destination of His presence is waiting for you. And the only thing that can keep you from finishing this pilgrimage is you. Not even all of the kingdom of darkness can stop you if you align your will with the will of Almighty God. Thy will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Lord, I'm in agreement with you. I say yes. There's power in agreement. How many believe that? Jesus said, if two shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it'll be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. When we get in alignment, agreement, unified 
with the Lord, His Word, His promises, we activate the Holy Spirit to fulfill that promise in us and through us so that we will complete what God has called us to do. The only time it remains incomplete is when we give up. But I've got good news. Even after we give up, if we'll say, just like I preached last week, you are not alone. Elijah had given up. He was in a cave. He was in the wilderness. That was his valley of Baca, his weeping. And God knew where he was and came to him. And the first words God said to him, those of you who were here last week, Elijah, what are you doing here? And God says that to us, Craig, or place your name in the sentence, what in the world are you doing? Why have you given up? I haven't given up. God says, I never give up. I always overcome. When you look at the book of Revelation, when when you have the saints who were combating the, the dragon, it says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We need to be tenacious. We need to lock our faith, align our faith, our hearts and our minds, our being, our confession, what we meditate on, We need to make sure it's in agreement and alignment with what God says. God's Word is alive and active. It's living, sharper than any two-witched sword. Isn't that what the writer of Hebrews said? So when we're in agreement with God's Word, which is God's will, and that Word is alive, we bring life to whatever that promise is into our lives and into our pilgrimage, our journey, our walk of faith. So we're the ones who are responsible for keeping the pilgrimage alive. When we align with God, then He responds. God, God's a faith God. Everybody say that. God's a faith God. You know what language He speaks? Faith. And when we speak faith, we're speaking God's language. And He likes that. It's hard to communicate with someone that speaks a different language if you don't know the language. God doesn't know the language of doubt and unbelief and fear. You know, He's a God of faith, believing. You know, He's courage, not discourage. He's the antithesis of everything Satan stands for. And when we as believers speak His language, while we're on the pilgrimage, while we're in the journey, while we're in the valley of Baca, even when it's hard and we're crying out and we're weeping and we're brokenhearted, and in the natural, we don't know if we're going to make it to the other side. But we have confidence. Even as Paul said that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Paul also referred to Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Jesus never leaves a book unwritten. He completes it. He makes every deadline. He gets it published. And you are the book he is publishing. He is the author and the finisher. So let him write the narrative. Don't listen to what the devil is saying. Don't listen to your own humanity and your emotions. Think, speak, eat, and walk faith while you're on the pilgrimage, especially when you're at the low point. But there's always good news because After every valley, there's a mountain. After every low point, that's when the ascent begins. 
How many of you are ready to ascend? Hallelujah. How many of you are ready to climb the mountain of God? Step into His provision. Step into His blessing. Step into His strength, His lightness. I know sometimes I, I may say, Lord, work on this area of my life. I don't like it. And the Lord responds, I'd be glad to. The author and the finisher of our faith. If you let Him, you'll find the greatest transformation takes place. In the valley. In the valley is where transformation happens. Praise God. He's faithful, amen? amen? As they pass through. Don't pitch a tent in the valley. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't say, Lord, like Elijah, take me home. I'm ready to be with you, Lord. I fought the good fight of faith. No, you haven't. Because right there, you're missing it. Say, Lord, let me learn, strengthen me, empower me, and then speak. I will make it to the finish line. I will fulfill that which he has prepared for me. That means moving beyond your tears. Life is hard. I get that. But God is harder. He's stronger. He's more powerful. He's faithful. We need to move beyond our tears. When something happens in life, your heart breaks. My heart has been broken several times. But I've learned to move beyond my brokenness. That's part of the pilgrimage. That's part of the journey. Don't stay trapped in your grief. Don't stay trapped if you've made a bad decision in the condemnation. Move beyond it. Learn from it. Grow from it. And then go as far away as you can from it. Amen. Move on. Move forward. Hallelujah. Focus on your destination, not the valley. Passing through requires trading your sorrow for my closing point, God's strength. God's strength. How many of you want trade your sorrow for God's strength? There's an old worship song that was put out years ago. I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my pain. I'm trading it all for the joy of the Lord. God wants you to trade your sorrow for His strength. Here's a fact. You'll never encounter God's strength if you remain in the weakness of your sorrow. Did you hear me? Move beyond your grief, your mistakes, your failures, your regrets. Don't stay trapped in the valley of Baca. Don't pitch a tent. You can't go back. You've got to move forward. There's only one direction. The presence of God. Your spiritual Jerusalem. Obedience. You know what it will do? As you continue the pilgrimage, your obedience will change your environment. Do you hear me? Even in the midst of a hellish situation, you will encounter the presence of God. David said in Psalm 23, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What do you do at a table? You eat. What does eating do? It brings strength, refreshment. 
strengthens you. Look at what Psalm 84, verse 6, look at what David says. When people are obedient and they don't throw away and discontinue the journey of God's purpose, going to that place, that Jerusalem, what the Lord is destined for your life, as they continued forward motion, then he says, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Now right there in the midst of the desert, in the midst of dryness, where there is no rain, a dry and weary place where there's no water, David talks about that, God will supernaturally make a spring. Springs come from where? Within. Bubbling up and over. They, notice the emphasis on they. Who is they? It's anyone, it's you, it's me, who chooses to continue the pilgrimage, to push through the valley of weeping, the brokenness, the pain, the regrets, the sorrow, all of it. I will not allow anything to stop me from reaching to the presence of God. I will not allow anything to keep me from fulfilling what God has called me to do. I will not allow myself to become so self-absorbed that God becomes second seat when He deserves to be first seat. Lord and Savior of all. They is anyone who chooses to pursue the pilgrimage, the destiny, the purpose God has ordained for their lives. And again, this means moving forward and refusing, refusing to stop. David says in Psalm 84, verse 7, they go from what? People who do this, they go from strength to strength. I like that. How many of you want some more strength? Let's go a little further. The Bible also talks about going from not only strength to strength, but glory to glory, victory to victory, blessing to blessing, and faith to faith. I check all of the above. If that was multiple choice, I check all of the above. I want it all. Amen. Hallelujah. Obedience. Listen to this. Obedience. You know what it is when it comes to life? There are many doors we walk through in life, right? And when we're obedient, the doors that God has ordained and positioned for us, our obedience is the master key that unlocks that door. If you try to walk through a door and it's difficult and it's just not opening, then that means that door's not for you. Don't force it open. You know, I've heard some people say, well, you know, if heaven closes a door somewhere, heaven opens a window. Don't go out a window. You'll get hurt. You'll get hurt. We want to know when we're in the midst of whatever our journey involves. And sometimes it means walking through a door that's challenging. And we want to know in the midst of the challenge, the valley, the valley of Baca, when there even may be weeping involved, we know that we know that we know that God led us through that door. It's part of our obedience. And my God led me in, and he will lead me out. How many believe that? How many of you watch it online believe that? Let's give him praise for a moment. Come on. Give him praise if you really believe it. Look at Psalm 23, 4 through 6. I referenced it earlier. I'll reference it again. David says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. 
You anoint my head with oil. Isn't it amazing? The anointing follows the table. How many of you want anointing in your life? Sit at his table. Do you know what you're doing right now is sitting at his table? Anointing is being given to you through his word right now. Prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. It all follows sitting at his table. Surely goodness, hallelujah, and mercy. They're twin brothers. I love them. Goodness and mercy. How many want to hang out with goodness and mercy? It says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. You won't be able to get rid of them. Have you ever had people like that in your life? Every time you turn around, they're right behind you. Well, you don't want to push away goodness and mercy. Twin brothers, surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me, hunt me down, track me down, and overtake me. I tried to outrun goodness and mercy, but they're faster than me. They found me, they tackled me, and they blessed me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, hallelujah, all the days of my life. God hasn't given up on any of you. Just get back on track. Recharge the battery if, if, if you're eco-driven, right? Get in the sun, S-O-N, and he will fill you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Mm. Somebody say it for me. How long? Forever. Forever. That's a long time. That is a long time. The house of the Lord. Can't think of any other house. I want to live in forever. His house. It's beyond his kingdom. We're family. His house. Do you know when it says, I go to prepare a place for you? In my father's house are many mansions. Mansions is actually a mistranslation. It's appropriately translated as in my father's house, there are many rooms. How do you put a mansion in a house? But you can put a room in a house. I don't want to live some other location. I want a room in your house, Jesus. We're family. We're sons, we're daughters, we're brothers and sisters. Go to prepare a place for you. That's why we make the pilgrimage. That's why we pursue God's purpose for our life, not our wild dreams. And sometimes we have dreams God says, I'll let you have that. That's why Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, the Father, and all these things will be added. I will give you the things that really don't matter, but because I love you, I'll just shower you with blessing. That's my, that's my two servants, the twin brothers, goodness and mercy, tracking you down. Just blessing you because I love you. Amen. Think of all of the things you give to your children, you give to your spouses, the people you love. Do they need it? Sometimes, maybe. But I'd say 90% of the time, no. So why do you do it? Because I love them. But in order to see some personal things fulfilled in our lives, we have to make sure that every dream we have subordinates to God's will and purpose for our lives. He's first, amen? He's first. 
Now, just think about it. Where, what, what would it be like today if you weren't here to hear this word? How many of you have been encouraged so far? How many of you have, have been recharged? That's because he prepared a table for you. And he allowed his servant, Craig Lauderback, to be today's chef. You know, and I worked real hard. But how can you go wrong when it's the Word of God? Amen? Let me get back on track. You may not be able to change the situation you're facing. And that's usually how it works, right? Whatever it is, it's a monkey wrench that's been thrown into the mechanism. You may not be able to change the situation you're facing. But you know what you can change? Your outlook. Your outlook of faith. Even when you don't see the finish line. You don't see Jerusalem and the temple yet. You know it's there. You know it's waiting. And each step forward in God's direction, in my pilgrimage, in life, that I take, finally, I'm going to shorten the distance between me and the destination. Cindy, I see Jerusalem in the distance. You keep going. The pilgrimage, remember? They would make that from all over the region to go to the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. I see. Now, Cindy, we're even closer. I, I, I see the, the top of the temple. I see it. I see it. We're almost there. And then the breakthrough. Then the blessing. The answer to prayer. Hallelujah. All because you were willing to make the pilgrimage. You endured the valley. You passed through. And God gave you the strength to finish the course he set before you. God's so faithful, isn't he, church? In conclusion, I, I, I want to say this. When you take and you look at the life of David, God brought David through the valley of Baca. He did. Thank the Lord. That gives us hope. Who wants to read about someone? Well, it was a good story, but it didn't work. We want to know what does work in life. God brought David through the valley of weeping, the Baca, the tears. And guess what? He'll bring you through too. He will. Look at the person next to you and say, he's going to bring you through. Tell him, he's going to bring you through. He's going to bring you through. I like this. The Lord is in the past, the present, and the future. Couldn't ask for a better guide. Right? He's already been to where you're going. Right? He sees the forest through the trees. And he will bring you through because he knows the pathway. He is the pathway. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes. How? On the pathway to the Father except through me. He will bring you through. I promise you, if you don't give up, and when you feel you have nothing less to draw on, just say, Lord, take me from strength to strength. He will. Speak the word of God, the promises of God, in the face of your opposition, whether it's a need for healing in your body, whether it's finance, whatever it is, a, a struggling marriage, a wayward child, 
a legal situation. There are many things we face in the valley of Baca, life. But as we lift up the promises of God, He's faithful. His Word works. His Word works. He will bring you through. So what am I saying? Three words. Let Him lead. Do you hear me? So many times we say, Lord, that's good. I'll take it from here. No. Let Him lead. I think I know the way. You ever have someone give you directions? They're riding in your car and and maybe your GPS is acting up or whatever. And so, no, I know a better way. And then it adds an hour to your arrival time. Let Him lead. Don't take charge. Don't take over. Let Him lead. He's the one who knows the way through the valley of Baca. Amen? So what am I encouragement to you? What I just preached. Embrace the pilgrimage, move through the valley, and draw from God's strength. That's it. Doesn't get any simpler than that. Embrace the pilgrimage. Continue to pass through the valley and draw from God's strength, and you will make it to your next destination. Amen? Let Him lead. That's the word today. Let Him lead. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the encouragement it has brought. And I pray in the name of Jesus that those who are in the valley of Baca, Lord, we can't live life and not step into a valley, especially when we are pursuing your presence. Lord, I pray right now that they will have drawn strength from this word, wisdom from this word, and now they will just let you lead. So as we open these altars, these altars are open now. For no matter where we are in life, our profession will be, Lord, I want you to lead. I want you to guide me throughout my lifetime. Lord, take the reins. You're in charge. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.